Would you stand for just a moment? We'll read chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. If you're able, we're going to begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 3 of Titus. It says in verse 1, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. You may be seated. Uh, when you are a Christian, I believe it comes with responsibility and uh, what I mean by that is that our life and our behavior should be a life and behavior that glorifies God. It should never detract from Him. And I believe when we carry the name Christian, we ought to allow our lives to speak volumes. And it's not just about uh, coming to church or being in services, but it's about your actions when you're not around folks here. What does it say about you? What uh, words speak uh, about you when people see your attitude and your actions and they're watching your life. And what kind of responsibility do we have back to our Savior? Paul put it best when he stated in Philippians 127, only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ. And when he uses the term conversation in this particular book in Philippians, he's talking about our life and our lifestyle. And he says, whenever he says it, he says, as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And so when people see your lives, does it speak the gospel to them? Would someone look at your life and they would see Christ in you? They would see that gospel message. So when you think about it, let all that you say and all that you do show a worthiness or a sort of gospel message of Christ. And whether that's in word or in deed, I think people ought to see Jesus Christ in us. And so those things which we speak and those things which we do, that way in which we behave, would Christ uh, be recognized in your life? When I was starting with these books, First and Second Timothy and Titus, these are kind of foundational books, uh, and a lot of them are called pastoral epistles, but the reality is, is that the number of uh, messages that Paul wrote to both Timothy and Titus applies to all of our lives as believers, as Christians. And so this is a foundational principle that needs to be applied in our life as a believer to show the power of God in us, and we are told to be ready to every good work. And so if you would underline that in your Bible in verse 1, at the latter part of that verse, it says, be ready to every good work. Be ready to every good work. And so I titled tonight's message, Be Ready. And so always be prepared to do that which is beneficial uh, to our Savior, whether it's in your words or your deeds, your actions, uh, to show the worth of serving our Savior. And listen, people need to know, one, that you serve Jesus Christ, and when you do it, Show the value of serving him, and you do it by your words and your deeds and your actions. And so those things you say, those things you do, the way in which you behave, and this will require us to be submissive toward others at times. And you know, when you go on the job, we ought to be submissive to authorities on the job. So if we have bosses, we ought to listen to them. Uh, whether you're uh, in the church, uh, you ought to have an understanding of the authority, the pastoral authority in the local church, or whether it be our local government or our state government or our federal government, there is a responsibility that we have to uh, be uh, uh, obedient unto those authorities. And so what God's teaching us at times is always be prepared to do that which is beneficial, and it requires us to be submissive toward others at times. And it'll require us to avoid certain actions and activities and to demonstrate good works. And I'll tell you where we're failing, even as believers, 
in our time right now is on uh, social media. And we use that as a tool or an avenue to tear others down at times, and you think not, but even when we're passing on things, whether we know it to be true or false, it doesn't make any matter. But a lot of times when it's character assassination, we're passing some of that stuff on, especially when it comes to authorities and when we're talking about our leaders in our nation and in our country. And because we disagree with them doesn't mean that we need to assassinate their character. Uh, because we disagree with them, uh, we should say what the disagreement is. And if it's a political disagreement, that's fine. And if it's a biblical disagreement, that's fine. But we don't have to assassinate the person's character to try to accomplish that goal. And so these activities sometimes uh, require us uh, to uh, avoid certain actions and activities to demonstrate good works. And so I challenge us with this thought tonight. Are you ready to set aside self for the sake of the gospel and show forth good works? Now, what does that mean in our words, in our deeds, and in our actions? In this particular verse, he said, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. These are people that are in authority and how we speak to them is quite important. Uh, when Michael was just about maybe two or three years old, I remember I had a job to do over at Loudon Baptist Temple. I was working under Pastor Nichols, and Mike was just a little guy, and I was in a hurry and um, trying to get over to the church. I knew I needed to get there early, feeling that pressure, and uh, I was running a little bit late. And so when I get down there, and just before I get down to cross over Catoctin, uh, there is a bicycle race going on that morning. And, uh, and the bikes just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And I was sitting there and I thought, good gracious, I got to get over to the church. Pastor wanted me to get this done and I could just feel that pressure. Anybody ever been there where you feel like you're either at a stoplight or you're at a train or you've got to be somewhere? Man, you're just feeling that pressure. And the whole time I was sitting there and I thought, gracious, man, how long is this going to be? And then I didn't see any bikes for a moment, but they wouldn't let us go. So finally, I just banged on the horn. And so an officer comes up, and he knocks on my window. And he said, do you want me to get you for aggressive driving? And I said, sir. And I started to speak out of turn. Are you with me? You probably have had that happen to you at a time or two, right, Steve? A few times, right? And so you're just feeling angry now, and I... I was sitting there, and these words were about to come out of my mouth to this man. And I turned, and there's Michael sitting there, and I thought, what am I about to teach? Are you with me? And we got to be very cautious about the words that come out of our mouth at times. Uh, we don't know who's watching or listening, but God's always on duty, amen? So he knows and let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my God, my Redeemer, my strength and my Redeemer, right? So we want those things to be kind. So the challenge is, is are you ready to set aside self for the sake of the gospel? And it's shown forth by our good works. So to be ready is to always be prepared in your heart and in your spirit to set self aside and to serve the Lord. Uh, the officer was just a little bit angry, and I thought, shut your mouth. <laughs> and say, sir, I am sorry, I'm in a hurry this morning. And I said, I was feeling a little bit of pressure. And he said, understandable, we'll have you through in just a moment. And so I was like, okay, we'll end it with this. Because I didn't want to get angry at the man. And, and although I was feeling that tension, that pressure, of course, you could feel that in Northern Virginia all the time, right, Brother Tangerman? 
All you got to do is just come up to a stop sign or a stoplight, and uh, you're wondering why a stoplight can last for six to seven minutes, and you have no idea why. And it lets three cars out, and then you're sitting there, right, in a line of 30. And so you get frustrated with stuff like this. And so being there, it can be frustrating. But there's aspects of the Christian character that are on display, and you're to demonstrate them always and be ready to serve our Savior. What does it require? I think it requires some submissiveness. It's like a dirty word in our in our society today, to be submissive, but to be submissive. And then avoid quarreling and avoid foolishness. And these are three things that God points out just in these first three verses here in Titus. Paul writing to Titus, and he says this. He said, put them in mind to be subject to principalities. That word subject is to be uh, a person that is submissive. And so always remember the biblical principle of submission, especially to government rulers or people that are in authority over us. And submission is not a dirty word. In fact, submission is what God teaches us in the Scriptures. He says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the what? Devil. Submission is not a bad thing. Submission is an umbrella of protection over us. And so when we learn that spirit of submission, it helps us at times. And make sure that we are not uh, involved in what I call useless talk or idle talk at times. And we can get involved in that and we can start putting down uh, uh, rulers uh, in our nation and uh, we can do it to our president, we can do it to congressmen and women, we can do it to local leaders, and we can begin to put them down. And what we do is we assassinate their character. We, we leave out the principles that we're upset with, and we attack the individual. And yet God teaches us some things. If you would, I just want you to flip over to Romans chapter 13 with me real quick. I'll read a few verses to you, and I want you to kind of get a hold of the importance of this for us as believers in chapter 13 of Romans. And so if you'll turn there with me. If you have Bibles, you can turn there. If you've got your iPad, you can scan there. If you've got your phone, you can flick there, whatever you need to do. But uh, if you would, turn to Romans chapter 13, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Look at what it says, but let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Now, is this any different than what Paul, he's teaching this at Rome, but he's over here telling Titus what? The same thing, to be subject to authorities, doesn't he? And so he says this, he said, But uh, let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now, I will tell you, when uh, Barack Obama got in office, someone told me there's no way God let that happen. You know what I said? You haven't read your Bible lately, have you? I mean, you haven't. And, and, and believe me, there were some evil kings that rose to power, but who allowed them to be there? God did, didn't he? God let those things happen. And sometimes we have people who we disagree with that end up in power. And you read this and it says, there is no power but of God. You know what that lets us know? No matter who's in an authoritative position, God has allowed that to occur. And you say, well, why would he let so-and-so become this or that? And the thing of it is, is that it's God that allows these things to occur. And so you say, well, maybe it's because the believers are not voting, or maybe the believers aren't watching, or maybe folks aren't really being conscientious of the elections, or maybe, maybe they're not really thinking much about it or care much about it. And so people begin to rise to power, and, and it happened even in Solomon's day. You can see where Solomon made some bad choices, and later on how that had affected the nation, the entire nation of Israel, because of poor choices that Solomon made. And so you can see, but God allows these things to enter in. And so the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth a power resisteth the ordinance of God. 
And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. I've heard Christians say, I'm a Christian and I am not going to pay taxes. Okay. I'll see you in jail. Because there's laws, isn't there? And we have a responsibility. Well, I have my rights. <laughs> we all have our rights, but the fact is, is that there are laws that are put in place, and when you disobey those laws, you're going to find the effects of those laws. It's like when you go out here on 75, and, and you realize the speed limit is not 75, it's 70, and you start doing 75, 80, 85, 90, 95. I saw somebody blow by me the other day. I thought for sure it had to be 100 or 110, and, and the thing of it is, when the lights come on behind you, there's a reason for that. There's a law, and it's stated right on a sign. It says 70. When you exceed that, the law comes into effect, doesn't it? And so what happens is, is we want to ignore laws sometimes, and then we say, well, I don't know why this happened to me. I don't know what the reason is. I don't know why the IRS is after me. Maybe because you haven't paid your taxes. And, and the thing of it is, is that we can try to ignore that, but these things are in place. Be subject. The word subject is the word obey or to be in submission to the authorities. And Paul said, remember, put them in mind. You ought to underline that in your Bible. It says, put them in mind. When he says, put them in mind, those that the Lord has placed over you, this is the idea of thinking about who they are and who God has allowed to be in power. You're not to usurp authority over that power. So this obedience is not something that will go against the word of God. For when our leaders make laws that contradict the Bible, God has given us an answer. How many of you know that? If the laws that they make contradict the truth of God's word, is there not something that is an answer unto us? Well, as believers, we don't have to, we don't have to give in to those laws. For example, abortion is legal. Yet, do we as believers have to say, well, I guess we'll just go ahead and do that if we want to. No, you don't have to follow that law at all. You can avoid that law. And we can fight against that law, but the person who made that law is not the uh, one that we have to assassinate their character, but we certainly want to try to get them out of a position of power so that we can change the law. And the thing of it is, is that attacking that person's character is not going to change a thing. We spend so much effort attacking character that we forget there's an answer to this all. Now listen to me. The Bible says this, Peter answered the authorities in this manner as they commanded them not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. In Acts, he said this, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in the name, uh, in, in, in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. If I was told that I have to stop preaching Jesus Christ, I'm going to continue to do it. Why? Because the Bible tells me that I should. You say, well, what if they make a law preacher that says that you can't preach the Scriptures anymore? At that point, that's going against the truth of God's Word, and God told me that I need to preach and teach the Gospel. 
There's a lot of places over in China right now that you can be arrested for doing it, and they're doing it underground. They're having these underground churches, and they're preaching and teaching the gospel over there. And here's the thing. You say they're breaking the law. They are fulfilling the command of God at that point. And sure, there's a danger there, but the fact is is that it's better to obey God rather than man in that situation. Submission under the rulers of our time is not that we disobey God's word and obey man, but that because we do not like the rules, we go against the rules because we say, well, it doesn't matter whether it's God's truth or not. I just don't like the rules, so I'm just going to break the rules. So whenever you go out on the highway and you see the sign, especially you guys who ride motorcycles, Amen? The thing of it is, is when the sign says 70, that's exactly what it means. Amen? And so whenever you decide you're going to go over that, you're breaking the law. Now, as I challenge you with this, to obey our authorities again is truly our submission to God, and it shows forth what Paul entitled good works. You know, in Matthew 5:16, the Bible says this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, people ought to see that in us. They ought to see that spirit of submission in us, even in those areas of our lives. Submission is not something negative, but it's an umbrella of protection by God. This demonstrates a meek spirit, and what it does is essentially cause the unsaved to be drawn to the Spirit of the Lord through a meek and quiet spirit. In 1 Peter 3, 4, But let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. And sometimes we, we get so bold and we get so brassy and we get so abrasive. And the thing of it is, is that none of that's really necessary. And, and our goal is to draw people to Christ, not detract them from him. And so be ready to set self aside at times and let some things just fall to the wayside, not worth our time. Stay away from irresponsible arguments. And I share this with you because he says now in verse 2, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Today, I think we're in a political hotbed. We live uh, in this arena now where uh, I, I think people are far more bold on social media than if you met them in person. And you know, you remember when they gave Paul a hard time, didn't they? <laughs> and they were like, hey, you speak so boldly in your words, but when we see you, Paul, you're not all that... Uh, big and bold, you know what I mean? But the thing of it is, is that we get so bold online, and yet the reality is, is what is the end result of that? How many of you get the uh, stuff, if you don't pass this on, you know, we're a weakling somehow or another as an American. You ever get some of that stuff, you know, and you, you get it, and most of those I pass them over because they say, well, most of you won't pass this on. You know, sometimes we're just being foolish with some of that stuff, and we ought to be careful with the things that we're putting out there. When you look at this, this political hotbed we live in, and many Christians, it's to speak evil words uh, of God's appointed leaders. And I, I don't know if we kind of grasp that or not. God's allowed them to be in those positions. And, and we pass things on. This is not being about uh, against their political views, but it lends itself to attack on the characters I was sharing with you. And so when God speaks of this, he says to speak evil of no man except those ones that we politically disagree with. <laughs> That's not what the scriptures teach. And so I can speak to whatever their political view is, and I can disagree with it, and I can disagree strongly with it. But to attack the individual is not wise. <laughs> to attack the position that they hold is wise. And to say that I'm against abortion, and anybody that votes for that in Congress, I would vote them out. 
And the thing of it is, is there's nothing wrong with taking that stand. And especially those that are talking about birthing children and then literally murdering those children. Now, I disagree with that. And I personally would hold the position that that is not a biblical stance that we ought to hold on to. And we ought to get those people out of office. And I don't have to attack them personally, but I can tell them the position that they're holding is it's placing them in a position of being a murderer. <laughs> and so I disagree with murder. And so I would hold that strong political view, but I don't have to attack them. Now, we're, we're to denounce that which is ungodly, and we can point out the leaders that are going astray, and, and they're going against truth, and we can attack that, that, uh, that political view that they have. But avoid fighting with others, too, over these matters. What happens is, as we get to that place, notice what it says here. To speak evil of no man, and what is the next phrase? To be no brawlers. Do you know when you start speaking evil, do you know what the next thing it leads to? Sometimes physical fights. People get into fistfights. Now, I'm telling you, I've watched people go from just exchanging words to exchanging fists. <laughs> because they have a point of view that they want to make. And so we have to be conscientious of this. And so he says in that passage, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, and so avoid fighting with others over foolish matters. Speak no evil, followed by be no brawlers, because ungodly words often lead to ungodly actions. Ungodly words will often lead to ungodly actions. And so even as believers, we have to be very careful that we don't speak evil and these ungodly words that come out of our mouth lead to ungodly actions or causing maybe a heathen to react to you in such a manner that, that it would cause a fight to ensue. So the Lord shows us and uses Paul to teach us and Titus what we're doing in our actions and our attitude. We ought to be careful because he said this in that same passage, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. So speak no evil, don't be a brawler, but be gentle. Be gentle, he said. And then he says, in that same passage, he says, showing all meekness unto all men. So I got to be careful with my words and my actions. And so Paul telling Titus here, listen, uh, there's going to be some situations that are going to arise, but listen, you need to hold your peace, basically. And you need to be careful uh, when you're around folks that behave and act in such a manner. You need to be conscientious of this. And I, I got to thinking, to be gentle, showing all meekness, it did not tell us that we have a right to attack because we disagree. Boy, we're getting terrible in our nation today. We think because we disagree that we have to physically attack people. I mean, people are being shot and people are being killed and people are taking these attacks too far. I mean, we got this group called Antifa now that's out there and I mean, physically attacking people uh, because there's a disagreement on a political standpoint or a political view. Now listen, I, I, I share with you, I, I stand strongly against homosexuality. I think it's wrong. I do not think two men ought to marry or two women ought to marry. I don't think a man ought to marry an animal, and I don't think an animal ought to marry a man. I don't think people ought to change their bodies, and I'm not an it, I'm a man. And women are women. And I don't want to be an it on my driver's license. And the fact is, is regardless of how they feel about things, God made man and woman, Amen. And so the Bible teaches us that. Now, I can have a political view and I can take a stand, but I'm telling you that's a biblical view as well. 
And so he's just taking a biblical view of things. But here's the thing. I don't have to fight and argue and have an attitude toward people who are involved in that life and that lifestyle. I can certainly pray for them, and I can share with them the truth of the gospel like I would any other sinner. But the fact is, is that what needs to happen is they need to get saved. And salvation of the soul can change the mind of the man. And so what happens is, is that all of those actions, everything that we're seeing today, these were taking place in Paul's day. Just go read chapter 1 of Romans. All you have to do is read from Romans chapter 1 down to verse 32, and you see what kind of an environment Paul was looking at when he looked out. And the people were worshiping the creature more than the creator himself, and they were involved in situations of homosexuality and everything. And Paul was denouncing that at that time. And by the way, God's word has not changed. <laughs> and we can take a strong stance against that, but I don't have to attack the people. I just have to attack the problem. And we're so busy attacking one another and attacking people that we forget to attack the problem. You would be shocked at what you can truly learn if you'll listen to someone else talk. Even when you disagree with them, if you'll listen, you'd be amazed at what you can learn. And you can learn things that can help you maybe even lead them to Christ because there are some times that they're going to share their foolish thinking with you. And what happens is, is we fail to listen and we're so busy trying to tell them our position and we fail to listen. We have moved from debate on the hill and in our homes to speaking evil and attacking others. Yet the Lord said, be gentle, be appropriate, be mild, be moderate, be patient in our attitude and our actions, showing forth a godly spirit. Even in times of disagreement, we need to have that spirit about us. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. He didn't say anything back. And he says, and when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And that's what we should do. Realize that God is the judge. And we have no problem in sharing our position. There's nothing wrong with that. But to just uh, tear other people's character apart is foolish on our part. Now, what does that require? I think it requires us to die to self. It's far more important to glorify God than to win some earthly dispute. <laughs> and sometimes we just want to win the battle. So be ready to set aside self for the sake of the gospel and show forth your good works through avoiding a spirit of quarreling. Lastly, this. Notice what he says in verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes, and what's the next word? <laughs> Foolish. We behave that way. Paul probably even talking about himself. He said, I behaved foolishly at times. And he did. We can go back and we can look at him attacking the church and attacking the Christians and everything. But he says, sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, lying in mal uh, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So steer clear of what I call reckless actions now. Just absolute reckless actions. And some of us behave that way sometimes as believers. We just take reckless actions in our attitude, our actions, our words, our spirit, and we just act recklessly in that manner. And avoid foolishness. You know, I, I, I think when God writes, he's so strategic when he writes. And I love how he just kind of puts things together because here he told us to speak evil of no man. And, uh, and he tells us to be ready to every good work, to speak evil to no man. And, and he tells us that what we should do is have a meekness toward all men. 
And then he says, now look at how we were at one time. Look at how we behaved. And, and he says, listen, these are reckless actions. And whenever you maintain that kind of action, that kind of spirit, uh, you need to change and, and start uh, heading down that path of a submissive spirit. And avoid quarreling with people. Avoid arguing with people all the time. It's not worth it. You're not going to win. I can promise you that. You're either going to cause them to take that stance or what have you, but if you can speak to them, it's better to speak to them than it is to argue with them. Don't argue over the Scriptures because you're going to get nowhere with them. If you become contentious, it's just going to push them away. Avoid a spirit of foolishness. No, when we look at this, we find a list that the Lord describes as a spirit of reckless actions. The first thing he says is, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. That's a reckless action. When he uses the word foolish, he's saying senseless, pointless, needless, useless, vain, empty. <laughs> That's what he just said. He said sometimes we were foolish. We acted just like that. And believe me, folks, when we get into it with people, when we start talking about political leaders, when we start putting other people down to help build ourselves up, or we take a position and we just start assassinating people's character, assassinating people, what you're doing is senseless. It's foolish. doesn't work. Speaking evil of others does not work. And so when you see this, he's saying these are vain and empty. Proverbs 15, 7, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. But the heart of the foolish doeth not so. They don't behave that way. They just disperse nonsense, vain things, senseless, useless, pointless things, which is foolishness. And then also he said this, for we ourselves were also sometimes foolish, for we ourselves were also sometimes disobedient. We were sometimes disobedient. And so when he says disobedient, he's saying we were unruly, we were wayward and disruptive. We behaved in that manner. That should not be our Christian character today. That's not how we should be behaving. In Ephesians 5, 6, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. The, the thing of it is, is we become unruly and wayward and disruptive, and you let vain words cause you to get there. Empty words, idle words that people speak cause us to shift onto another plane. And it's not what God desires of us. And we can become even disobedient to our Savior out of foolish words, useless words being spoken. The other thing that he mentions here, he says, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, for we ourselves were also sometimes disobedient, for we ourselves were also sometimes deceived. We were deceived. When you look at the word deceived, he says roaming from safety and truth, going astray, being seduced, wandering out of the way. And so sometimes we behave that way. 2 Timothy 3.13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Roaming from safety and truth, going astray, being seduced, wandering out of the way, God said. That was us. And so whenever you kind of get into these foolish arguments, you get into these foolish battles with people, you're being deceived. It's vain, empty words being spoken. It's drawing you into this thing, causing you to walk in a level of disobedience. And listen, God said right here in this passage using Paul, he said, speak no evil of no man. Don't talk that way. Have a spirit of meekness in you toward all men. That's what we should do. And especially, we need to put in mind those that are in authority. We need to be very careful about the words that come out of our mouth about people that are in authoritative positions. We need to be conscientious of that. Don't be deceived. So not only that, he said, for we ourselves also 
We're serving diverse lusts and pleasures. Serving diverse lusts and pleasures. This is what we were doing. And whenever you get to this, he says, staying in bondage to various kinds of forbidden desires and sensual delights. He said, we, we allow ourselves to get over there. And you say, well, preacher, no, we're talking about sensual. You're talking about something that may be sexual in nature. No, not always. Boy, we can lust after anything. We can lust uh, after even pride. Uh, or we can lust after, I'm going to win this argument. I'm going to win this dispute. I'm going to win this over top of someone else. I'm going to prove my point. I'm going to be right. They're going to be wrong. And we can get to that place in our lives. And we want to win this earthly dispute. And it means far more to us than our relationship with God. Listen, that's lusting after something. That's taking pleasure in diverse lusts and pleasure. Staying in bondage to various kinds of forbidden desires. Well, listen, being angry, being prideful, being that kind of a spirit, that's not of God. That's of our own. That's the carnal way of thinking. James said this in 1.14, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. <laughs> Not the lust of God, it's the lust of man. And lust doesn't necessarily have to be sensual in that way. But it can be anything that I'm desiring more than I am desiring my relationship with God. Lastly this, he said, for we ourselves also were sometimes living in malice and envy. Living in malice and envy. And when you look at this, he's saying this. We can be passing our time in depravity, corruption, and perversion, evil, wickedness, ill will, and jealousy. That's what he's telling us. We can pass our time that way. And just behaving in such a manner. Living in malice and envy. First Peter 2, 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and, and, and envies and all evil speakings. Coming back to what Paul had said here in verse 1 or verse 2. Put away those evil speakings. Get rid of that stuff out of your life. It's unnecessary. It leads you down to a path that's not healthy. So take it away from your life. Let it stay out of your life. And then he said this, hateful and hating one another. Powerful statements. Hateful and hating one another. For we ourselves also were sometimes hateful and hating one another. Now, you know, when you read the scriptures, uh, man, these are tough sometimes. Because he's talking to a church, isn't he? He's talking to a pastor. He's talking to a people that, that sit in a building maybe or sit in a group just like this and meet. And he's talking to us. And he says whenever we're hateful and hating one another, we're unpleasant, detestable, and persecuting others in their words and deeds and actions. 1 John 2, 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. <laughs> so when we have that kind of spirit towards someone else, God said, you're not walking in light, you're walking in darkness. <laughs> you're, you have the wrong attitude, the wrong spirit toward that individual. Whenever you start running things down of those that are in authority, you're doing wrong. And so what does that say about us as believers? The challenge to us is, is, yeah, have a political position, have a political view. I don't need to assassinate someone's character to hold a position. But I need to be careful with my words and what he said, put them in mind. You ought to be conscientious of this. You ought to be conscientious of your words. You ought to be conscientious of the things that you're saying. All these detract from good works and obedience unto God and authorities in our lives. And if this is our behavior, 
what can we expect from those who do not have Christ? If, if we're going to behave like that, what do we expect of the heathens? What do we expect of those that are unsaved? If we, if we behave this way, if we're going to act like that, what do we expect of them? It's just going to wax worse and worse. Because if God's people are going to do this, then what do we expect of those that are outside? Our actions should lead them to the Savior, not detract them from Him and push them away from Him. And this is not about rebuking others biblically, and we ought to do that as well, and the Bible teaches us that. And there is a time to rebuke, and there's nothing wrong with that if we're holding true to the Scriptures, and that's our position. But this simply comes down to having a wrong spirit and wrong attitude toward others, and especially those who are in authority over those. We should expect the world to behave like this. We should. I mean, they're foolish. And, and God tells us that. And, and we can expect them to behave just like we see here in verse 3. But this ought not be us. This ought not be our behavior. This ought not be something that would identify my character as a believer in Christ. As we look at this, we should expect the world to behave in a foolish manner because they don't have the mind of Christ, but we do have the mind of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit within us. So think about the actions listed and they shouldn't be representative of us as a child of God. These things should not be a part of our lives. They should not be a part of our actions. And if they are, we need to ask God to help us to remove what I call these reckless actions from our life. And the Bible teaches us to be ready. <laughs> be ready for what? Well, if we have a spirit of meekness in us, we need to be ready unto every good work. We have a spirit toward other people, not speaking evil of them. We ought to show them the character of Christ. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. He's our example, isn't he? When he was threatened, he threatened not. <laughs> but yet sometimes we can become just like the world. I think what Paul was telling Titus is, you be cautious, Titus, and pass this on to the members of the church. 